do marketing services. Most of what we do is we actually execute it as well. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. <laughs> Hello, guys. Welcome. I don't care you're good, bad. I only care about the knowledge that you can get on this podcast. Today we have an interesting topic about how to retain your knowledge because you can consume a lot of content, read books, listen to podcasts, read blog posts, watch YouTube videos, many different types of content, but it's hard to remember what you've learned. That is why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mickey Mellon. How are you? Hey, doing good. Happy to be here again. Good to see you. Yeah, big pleasure. You spoke twice on my podcast. I am blessed to learn from you. I love this experience. Mickey, but I have new listeners. So remind about yourself, background, and anything that can help to learn more about you. Sure. So I, I run a, a digital agency. I've had that for about 14 years uh, with a partner. I think for today's show, though, it matters more that I also blog every day. So I've been a daily blogger for about three years and off and on for a lot longer than that. So I read a lot and learn a lot and forget a lot. And so that's kind of, I've been trying to solve that. And that's why I think we're going to dig into that a bit today. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I agree. According to some studies, people can forget uh, 50% of all information in the first hour. Wow. Another yeah. 50% in a few hours, probably a few days. I can yeah. forget fast about new oh, skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember uh, I like to learn from uh, the best. And once I learned about uh, Bill Gates and uh, he shares that he usually makes notes when he reads books he makes notes to remind everything that yeah. he learned so mickey tell where to start because i know it's important to learn to update what you have but how to uh, think more about quality of getting skills than to uh, get quantity because uh, i often get the question how many books can I read, how many blog posts I can read, and similar questions. But I think it's more important what you can remind, remember from this uh, resources. So tell what to do first. <laughs> For sure. So I think a big thing is to, to revisit the same content over and over. A lot of this came from me from a podcast called Founders. I don't know if you ever listened to that, but David Senra, he, he reads biographies of famous people over time, you know, and, and gives a podcast about it. But in one of his shows, he was talking about any given quote, because he can remember quotes off the top of his head. He seems like he can remember everything so easily. And he said, I can't. I'm not good at remembering things. But the difference is he reads the biography and takes some notes. And then he rereads his notes and puts them into podcast notes. Then rereads it you know, before the podcast, reads it on the podcast. Like By the time he does his podcast about a book, he's read any given quote five or six times. And that's what helps yeah. with the stick is just going into it over and over. So the podcast is amazing for us. We get to listen to his podcast. It's very insightful and helpful, but man, it's a it's hundred times better for him because he's actually digging into the stuff and going through it over and over and over again. So I've tried to do that where there's tools to take your, like take your notes automatically out of Kindle and put them in notion automatically. But the, the automatic is the killer. Like if I do it manually, I'm having to revisit those notes and touch them more and move them. And I think slowing down has been the biggest thing that's helped me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. Mickey, I want to ask about uh, finding the balance between learning and acting. You know, it's important to get mm -hmm. new skills, to learn, 
But I found when people overlearn, uh, when you learn a lot more than act. But uh, most great entrepreneurs, uh, bloggers, journalists, they usually act more. For example, Neil Patel, Rand Fishkin. They are practitioners. They don't mm -hmm. read a lot of SEO news and something like this. So they usually practice, act. Can you tell how to find this balance between learning and practice? <laughs> I think for almost everyone, more practicing than we're doing. I think we all try to do too much learning and not enough practicing. And so for me, I mentioned I blog every day. I do it mostly for me. I hope people get value out of it, but it's a way for me to revisit notes, revisit podcasts, revisit books, and just dig into that content again. And it's sort of the practicing. You know, I think a lot of people will journal every day. And if you journal every day, that's fantastic. But journaling, you can get a little lazy in that. You can put your notes down and leave it. But for a blog post, I have to write it and then I'll kind of refine it and reread it and reword things and try to get it simplified. And the act of doing all that really helps retain the knowledge so much more. And so that's been a huge change in my life is doing that to learn that knowledge, but also forcing myself to keep reading more and learning more to have something to say the next day. Cause it, it's hard to do it day after day after day and then to dig that deep into it, but it's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, Let's talk about uh, making notes. Can you tell uh, how often to do it? For example, if I read a new book, uh, how often it's better to uh, procrastinate, keep, I mean, like uh, to stop reading and make notes? Uh, because I think it depends, of course. But uh, anyway, any tips how to do it right? <laughs> sure. So, yeah, I mean, you could read a book or use Kindle. I use the Kindle Scribe, which is kind of nice. It's the new big Kindle with the pen, so I can like sort of make notes as I'm going, generally I just highlight. I'll say, hey, this is an important thing. I think I know what I'm going to talk about with this later. So I'll just highlight it. But usually I'll put a note or two because I'll go back to highlight sometimes. Be like, Why did I highlight that? I don't remember now. So I've learned over time to highlight something and put a few notes about why I highlighted it. But I think the more, the more you do, the better. And again, I think the key is afterward is revisiting those notes and not just like I did the notes, I took them and I can put them in a drawer and go away because then, yeah, you're going to forget them. You're going to forget the 50% real quick. You know, but if you can take it back out and, and revisit them, that's good. And again, in my case, I'll see the highlights. Say, oh, that was a, that was a great quote. He said, that's why. Oh, and that's why I took it. My note will sort of remind me why I highlighted it. And then I'll try to unpack it further and see how it matters in my life and how to, you know, like you said, put it into practice. But if you can take that many steps, it's you're going to touch that that note so many times already. It's going to help really solidify it for you. Yeah. Once I listen uh, to um, audio podcast with Seth Godin mm -hmm. and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk ask him questions and Seth Godin uh said that uh he usually reads uh a few books a day a few books a day <laughs> no for someone it's hard to read uh, one book a week uh, right but Seth godin yeah that is why he's one of the best marketers ever but he can read a few big books for an hour i mean wow. like he spends hour a day to read a few books I can't imagine how to do it. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is why Seth Godin is much better than me. But anyway, <laughs> can you tell, uh, is it good idea to uh, do something similar to Seth Godin? Because pro, I'm pretty sure Seth Godin has experience, knowledge, uh, how to do it right. But uh, for most listeners, including me, it's hard. It's hard. So tell about... Uh, you mentioned sometimes you can revisit to reread. So can you tell how to do it right? I mean, like to uh, find the balance between the best, like Seth Godin, probably Bill Gates, I don't know. And uh, yeah, and to find the best ratio that works for you. 
Gotcha. So, yeah, it does vary a lot. Seth Godin is the reason I blog every day because he says you should be doing this every day. It'll make you better. And it, it certainly has. So that that came from him. I think going back to David Senrun founders, he rereads the book quite quite a bit. He'll he'll come back to a book. He has a few books he does in his podcast, like every 50 episodes, he'll come back to this great book because it was so good. And he wants to get back into it again. So it's not reading more books, but reading the books that are great deeper. And then Bill Gates, I know one of the things he does is he takes a retreat every year uh, for a week or two where he just goes yeah. off by himself with a stack of books and just pours through them. And I think that sounds pretty fantastic, although it's not feasible for most of us. It's still an interesting angle to go. Like I worry with the Seth Godin thing, and certainly Seth pulls it off. I think part of it too is this is what Seth does for a living. Most of us are doing this on the side of another job. You know, I'm running an agency. There's different things. Seth's whole job is to read and write, so it gives yeah. you more time for that. But I worry trying to do that many books, I would just forget. I would forget too much. I think I need to slow down and reread and, and dig deeper into the books I read, so I don't forget things. It's when I try to just read more books because that's better. That's when I forget all of it because it's all just it's too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, we, we can learn from Seth Godin. We can learn from many great experts. But as you mentioned, Seth has one occupation. <laughs> I mean, like right. read and write. Uh, and uh, remember, many great authors can tell if you want to become the best, you need to do uh, two things in writing, to write and read a lot, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but when you have many other things to do, as I usually do, to handle my team, to manage many processes to speak with my clients it's hard it's really hard uh, yeah. so it's your way and you need to find something that makes you uh happy <laughs> you know yeah. for me it's more important to enjoy the process mickey i want to ask about priorities you know uh, when i uh, get new content valuable content i want to do many things almost everything that i've learned from new content from blog posts from a book uh, but i know uh, i have only two hands 24 hours a day and uh, many other things that i keep doing uh, every single day so uh, can you tell how to prioritize things okay we can get many great ideas thousand great ideas but right. we can't implement a teeny percent of them <laughs> so tell how you choose priorities and advise us to, to do the same. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I would say part of it is finding the right books to read that have the priorities I'm going to follow through on. So if I read a book about how to make a great car dealership, like I might get some lessons from that. There's nothing I can implement from it. Whereas I read more about how to be a great marketer or a great leader. There's, there's tactical tips I can use right away. So I think making it easier to use the tips is important. And I think the other side is just, if you can take some of those lessons, again, going back to founders, I don't want to keep talking about him, but he just talks about, you know, entrepreneurs from the past and lessons you can learn from Henry Ford and others. Like it's the lessons you learn about how they did things that you can maybe implement. That's it's fantastic, but it is harder to take action on those things. So you have to think through them how they would apply to you where the books I'm best at taking action and say, here's how to be a better leader. You should do this with your team. And I say, Oh, I should do that with my team. Let's go. Like, Cause it's very easy to do. Whereas if I get a little more abstract, it's, it's interesting. I learned a lot of neat things, but it's harder to actually make use of them because yeah, it's, it's a few steps away from where I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, valuable, valuable. Mickey, let's talk about discipline. You know, uh, when I speak with people, uh, they need to do many things like to take kids to the school, go to the doctor, uh, mm -hmm. to uh, implement many tasks in their jobs. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm stick with that as well. Uh, and I understand I can't do anything and sometimes uh when you need to do something it distracts from uh learning can you tell how to find this 
discipline, consistency of learning something and be effective with that. Sure. I think I think we both do the same thing. You've been very disciplined with this podcast. And I think because it's not a choice, you don't say, I wonder if I should do a show like, no, you have to do another one. That's why I blog every day. I think ideally, if I could blog three times a week, that'd be great. But I can't blog three times a week because it would become, well, I don't have to do it today. I guess I could hold it till tomorrow and it just kind of falls apart. So if I do it every day, though, I know it has to be done every day. And that adds that for me, at least builds the rest of the discipline, because if I know I have to write tomorrow, I better have some ideas. If I want some ideas, I better get some more reading done. And so it kind of forces me to read more in order to do that, to do it every day. So I know some folks like I have a friend that works out three times a week and he's in great shape. He's fantastic. I can't work out three times a week because, again, I, I'm tired today. I'll, I'll push it tomorrow. So I work out every weekday like it's just it has to be Monday through Friday is when I do that. And, you know, without giving the option that forces the discipline and makes me work my schedule around it. But. Easier said than done, but for me, yeah, just making it something I do, just like you do with this podcast. You don't do this when you feel like it. You do it on a consistent basis, and that's just what it is. And for me, that's worked very, very well. And again, blogging every day is ridiculous and crazy, but it, yeah. it's, it's solved it for me because, again, that task has forced me to do all the other things around it, to listen to more podcasts, to read more books, to read articles, and find more data for things I can talk about. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Mickey, let's talk about finding the right format. For example, you know, it's interesting. Uh, people usually uh, learn best practices, what to do to read books, to listen to audio podcasts, I don't know, to watch YouTube videos. But I found some great experts, for example, Gary Vee. Uh, he shares many times that mm -hmm. he doesn't read books. So he ignores this format, but he reads a lot of comments. So uh, he yeah. uh, opens social media accounts uh, and he has 10 million followers almost on all accounts. But right. and, he, yeah, and here is comments. It's even hard to read comments uh, on your social media post when you have mm -hmm. this recognition like Gary Vee. Uh, I spoke with Ferry Kazoni. Uh, he has uh, this big um, PR agency in UK, one of the biggest. And he spoke on conference uh, when CEO of Google asked him to speak on this Google conference, big conference. And he told me he watches YouTube videos. He ignores many formats. He watches many videos every single day to learn from them. And I think it's a good idea to find your loving format. And I don't like when mm -hmm. someone can tell you need to read books. If you dislike this format, you can find other formats like Gary Vee, like Ferry Kazoni, like many others. Can you tell how to do it, how to brainstorm ideas to find one format or uh, a few formats uh, that, no, I don't know, when you can enjoy your time by right. learning I think you just, you just nailed it, the one you can enjoy your time. If you hate reading, don't it'd be silly to do that. Or if you're distracted by videos, don't do that. I think what you can do is find ways to follow other great content from the content you're, you're following now. So a lot of the books I read, they'll reference other authors. I'll say, ooh. He mentioned this great quote from this guy. I'm going to go read his book now that he referenced. And when I read that one, he'll talk about others and kind of follow the train. Same goes for YouTube videos. If you have a great YouTube video that's teaching you a lot, he's going to reference other sources. I got this from this study. Go read the study. Or I got this from this other video. Or you kind of follow the train once you find the right kind of format. But yeah, I agree that there's one that's not better than the other. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking books for me is, is way up there. But you, know, you can read articles. You can read blog posts. You could watch uh, YouTube videos, you can listen to podcasts, you could, I mean, heck, you can learn a lot on TikTok. If you get the right algorithm going, you know, Gary Vee's going to pop up in there all the time and yeah. teach you things. And if you like it the right way, you're going to get more, more insights and stuff from there. So I don't think there's a, a right way to do it. It's just having the, the way to capture for me, you know, books make it easy to capture that knowledge in the form of notes and put it in. But if you can take notes properly while listening to a podcast and, and do something with them, then cool, go for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about, uh, making notes properly. Yeah. Uh, 
I make a lot of notes. And you know, some uh, you know sometimes uh, it's hard even to reread all of them because so many notes. I don't know why I collect all of them <laughs> because I usually prioritize. <laughs> but I keep doing them. Uh, probably I can get back and now brainstorm all these notes. Can you tell uh, how to do it properly? You mentioned uh, to do make properly. Probably can help me as well, you know, to make the, <laughs> this notes properly. <laughs> I think a, a couple of things. One, if you can put it in your own words, that'll help a lot. If you can take a quote and say, here's what it means to me, here's how it matters, it's, a better note will help. Um, I use other tools like Readwise. I don't know if you use Readwise. Again, this goes back to reading specifically, but there's probably other tools where it takes all the highlights and gives me a quiz every day. Not a quiz, but just kind of re resurfaces highlights so I can see those notes and highlights come back in front of me. And I use other tools. Like I've talked, I think I talked in the last show about Anki, A-N-K-I. It's a, a memory app. And so I'll take other notes and quotes. And I really want to remember this, this thing. I'll put it in Anki so that way it'll come up in my in my reviews every couple of days. Say, hey, don't forget this thing. It'll, it'll force it to come back. So I think part of it is writing better notes, writing better atomic notes. You know, there's smaller pieces of why this matters. And I'm, I'm bad about that. I'll have a lot of, if you look at the notes for books I read, there's a lot of quotes from the book and a few notes from me. And I need to have more notes from me. Like really any quote, if, it, if quote's worth saving, it should be worth saying, hey, Here's why this quote matters. Here's how I could implement it. Here's it in my own words. And I don't do that well enough, but that's a, a good note. But then again, I think the real key is resurfacing that note frequently so you see it because the best note in the world is useless if it's buried in page 87 of your Evernote, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I use uh, uh, Keep Google, uh, this tool. I don't know okay. why. Yeah. I decided to choose this tool free, uh, simple to make notes. Um, yeah. Works on it's all good, good tool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I use yeah. that for fleeting notes. So if I have ideas, I'll put them in Google Keep, but then I try to process them out. I use Obsidian for most of my notes. So I'll take them out. But yeah, Google Keep is so easy to put stuff into. And so I throw stuff in it all the time with my voice or from the car or wherever. And then I try to then take it back out and say, okay, what do I want to do with this note? I want to put it in my notes or I want to sometimes reminders to you know, put something on the calendar. But yeah, Google Keep is a, a fantastic, simple, simple way to take notes. Yeah, simple, simple. I love simplicity. Yeah. Uh, Mickey, I want to ask about uh, transferring data to your clients. According to some uh, studies, uh, uh, tweets, popular tweets, that customers usually implement 40% of all recommendations. So, for example, basically, if they pay you like $10,000, 6,000 of them are wasted because <laughs> customers have no time, busy, other priorities. Uh, can you tell how to retain knowledge to your customers? I mean, like if you want to teach someone, I, uh, I remember this great uh, quote from Bernard Shaw probably. And he said, if you want to teach someone, you can't, you can't teach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I think uh, if uh, someone wants to learn, uh, you can teach someone. Right. But what about customers? Uh, I think if they pay money, they want to learn, but <laughs> uh, they are busy as well. So any tips about that, how to transfer data to customers? Yeah, that was a great quote about, yeah, if someone wants to learn, they will. I think for us, for our customers, yeah, we, again, do marketing services. Most of what we do is we actually execute it as well. So there's no need to transfer that, that knowledge to them necessarily, because that would be tricky to do. I think the key is to get it from whatever I read. I read a great thing in a book all the way through to my team to execute for that customer. And there's still like four or five steps there that need to happen, but it's really, and that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out now is I have all these ideas. I want to try to distill it down to just a few to talk to the team about every week. And cause I don't want to come and say, okay guys, here's what I learned this week. Sit down for an hour and a half and let's go through all these blog posts. Like that would not do anything, but getting down to like, Hey, here's this one thing we really should be doing on Instagram. 
you know, if we do this technique, it's going to work better. Or if we start blogging this way or, you know, just finding that one thing to do can really help. But yeah, to the customer, we try to make less for, at least in our case, less for them to learn. It's more about us executing on their behalf. So just mm -hmm. yeah, convincing that what we're doing is a good thing. And then hopefully they get closer to the full, full value for what they're paying. So. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, okay, let's talk more about that. that you know, it's interesting because uh, I think, um, you know, I remember when I uh, helped my customers to do almost everything, to create content, to develop content, to promote, but uh, it's hard today mm -hmm. when you need uh, to consider EEAT, uh, -E I mean, like Experience uh, Expert Authority Trust uh, parameters yeah. from Google. And um, I remember when I had a team of copywriters who wrote about anything. So I gave them tasks like uh, to write about weight loss, about finance, they're all Google rent <laughs> today. Right. I, I fired all this team. Uh, okay, yeah, Google helped <laughs> me to do it, you know. And I cooperate uh, with experts who can write great content. For example, we usually outsource writers from Forbes, Investopedia, great, great resources because I know these people can. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, it's not only to know uh, to have skills about specific niche. Uh, it's more about to know how to write as well. Um, so yeah. if you can write but have no skills, you can succeed. If you uh, have skills but uh, can't write, you can't succeed. <laughs> you need to have both. Tell your methods. If you help customers to do almost everything, how you outsource such people, uh, content creators, and uh, yeah, and simplify your customers' lives. <laughs> yeah, that that's a tough one for sure to outsource that. The biggest thing we do is before we start a project, we do a pretty robust messaging strategy, kind of on the building a story brand model. I'm sure you're familiar with Donna Miller's mm -hmm. work there. So we do a lot of that. So that way, when we talk to a copywriter outsource, say, here's the topic we need, but here's a whole document all about this customer, what matters, what their customers look like, and giving them more background on what's happening so they can do it. And that gives them most of the knowledge they'll need for it. As for people that are writers versus you know good writers or bad writers, I mean, I think repetition is king. I think Seth Godin has talked about the, the class building clay pots where... You know, he had half the class build as many pots as they could and had the other class build one amazing pot. It was their main goal. Just build one. But the ones that did more pots ended up making better ones because they just did it over and over and messed up and found mistakes and had issues and kept working through it. And I think writing's the same way. Like, just the more you do it, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have failures. You're going to successes. But just keep going, keep going, keep going. And you're going to get better and better. And again, that's why I write every day. If you go look yeah. at my blog, you're going to say a lot of those posts are garbage. And I'm sure they are. But hopefully there's some good ones in there, too, because I keep doing it and hopefully getting better over time. So. Yeah, I think that yeah. sort of answers both halves of that question, I think. But yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, you mentioned about failing. Uh, for me, I can't count a tiny percent of, of, of all my failures. You know, <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them. You know, especially in marketing, when you learn something new, you need to do mistakes. You know, I don't know how to go ahead without mistakes because uh, you can learn from best practices, uh, generic uh, information, then uh, case studies. Then you need to go ahead to implement. And for example, when I started PR campaigns, I wrote a bunch of press releases, a lot of press releases. I pitched <laughs> all of them and I got zero mentions, zero links, <laughs> uh, no. nothing. Then I learned how it works. After doing a lot of mistakes, I learned. Uh, and today I have specialists who can write great press release and I have specialists who can pitch them. Uh, mm -hmm. com uh, after combining uh, these processes, we got mentions on CNN, Business Insider, many great resources. Awesome. 
Yeah, because of uh, because of failing, I I never can do like this without failure. Can you tell about failing? Because uh, it's interesting. Many content creators uh, stop because of failures. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, like uh, uh, podcasters usually don't record uh, the. I don't remember, like uh, more than eight episodes of podcast because they can't get results uh, after uh, eight right. episodes. I don't know how to do it. You know, if you ask me, uh, I recorded plus 600 episodes <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to figure out how it works. Uh, yeah. And I remember Mr. B said about that, uh, you need to film 100 bad videos. If you yeah. can't film 100 bad videos, you can't uh, be uh, great with that. You need to fail many times. You need to improve a little bit. So tell about failing uh, in marketing. Uh, how to be patient with your results and go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Beast is a great example because his early stuff is horrible, but he just kept going and trying and test. Even now he just tests new things and some work and some don't. I think Seth Godin, going back to him, his book, The Dip, talks about this a lot where anything you're trying to do, it's going to start out great maybe. It's going to have a slow period and you have to figure out, is that slow period just the dip that I need to fight through and be, you know, so many podcasters bail out before eight episodes, but if you fight through, suddenly you're in rare territory and you can really soar or is this just a bad idea that's not going to work and we should bail right away? And if you ever read The Dip, it's it's like an hour long read. It's a very short book. It's a great, great read. It talks about that. And then I guess related is Annie Duke, um, her book Quit, you know, knowing knowing when to quit and when to, when to persevere. She talks about that a lot too. And in her case, she talks about two things really. One is uh, great poker players actually quit more often than amateurs. They, she says amateurs stay in when they get their cards. They stay in 50% of the time. Professionals uh, staying like 20% of the time. They fold yeah. way more off because they know when to quit and get on to something better. Um, but at the same time, it's not, you know, sometimes it's worth pushing through. Uh, her other thing she talks a lot about is results um, versus processes. You know, if you if you try something and it fails, maybe it was still a good decision and it just happened to fail. She talks about if you were dealt a hand in poker with two aces and you ended up losing the hand somehow, you can't take that as a lesson and say, well, next time I get two aces, I'm just going to fold because that's not any good. Like, no, that's not the lesson here. You don't want to, you know, you got to understand the, the the decisions versus outcomes. And so it's a tough balance to know when to push through because sometimes people do six episodes of the podcast and it's not very good and they probably should give up, you know, but yeah. most of the time they just see it's not the numbers I want someone to quit. But if you push through to episode 10, 20, 600, like you have, the results will start speaking for themselves if you really get through that. But the dip from yeah. Seth Godin is a fantastic way to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, and for me, the most important thing, what you can do is, to enjoy the process. If you yes. don't enjoy, you don't need to touch uh, something that can stop you. Uh, it's not about sacrificing your time. You don't need to suffer. You know, if you do something, you don't need to suffer. If you suffer, leave it. Uh, and uh, I, I quit a few projects because of uh, having this feeling. Uh, once I, I started one big project because um uh, i got the feeling that we can uh, fill the gap in market uh, and um we wasted a lot of resources i hired a big team uh we spent uh, so much time with this project uh but at that time i hated monday i loved friday <laughs> and <laughs> i got it no way i can't go ahead like this i need to stop i need to finish because it's suffering and i don't see any wrong with that if you give up if you you need to give up if you 
hated if you made the wrong choice. Uh, we don't know if something will bring, uh, I don't know, love, enjoyment. Uh, but if you can't, just leave it. Leave it and you will never regret. 70% of people hate their jobs. 70% of people, it's a lot. That's, so that's you Crazy, yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you need to enjoy. If you enjoy, you know, I, I like playing basketball. I can play basketball all the time. Nobody pays for my hobby. Nobody. But it doesn't stop me to play basketball, you know, to spend time uh, outside. Uh, so, yeah, you need to find. Can, can you tell how to brainstorm these ideas? Because I still have many students who don't know what to do, where to go. I get a lot of questions about that. I usually tell them, okay, find what you enjoy. But some people can't. They can't find. Can you tell how to find these ideas? <laughs> That's tough because it's not always the right answer either. Like you enjoy basketball, but you're not going to be a professional. So yeah. if you said do what you enjoy, you'd be doing that and you'd be living in the street. So, you know, you got to sometimes do things you don't enjoy as much, but I think the, the less pain, less pain, the better. So find multiple things you enjoy and see which one actually can be a career and go that way. But it's, it's, it's hard, to, hard to find. And that's where um, I like listening to lots of podcasts and stories about entrepreneurs that came before because you can hear what they tried, what they failed and how they found their way. And Different people find it different ways. So the more stories you can read and learn about those folks, the more you might say, ah, that sounds like me. I'm going to do it like Steve Jobs did. Or, you know, I'm going to find the path like someone else, whereas other stories may not resonate as much. So learning about those that came before us will often give you a light for your path a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Can you tell about focusing? You know, uh, what I see when people uh, try to do a lot of things, including me, you know, uh, I'm bad with that. I'm trying mm -hmm. to focus, but uh, sometimes I can't uh, leave some money on the table. Uh, I'm trying to take it. And it's a big mistake because uh, if someone focuses like Ferry Kazoni, uh, he spent like eight years with PR without great results, just mediocre results, but he paid attention only to PR. And today he earns millions, you know, with PR. Uh, uh, and uh, because of focusing, he didn't touch any other marketing. He decided to do only PR. Can you tell about your methods of focusing on some specific? Gotcha. So you said focus. I was thinking short-term focus, but you're talking more long-term. I think Gary Vee is a good example of that too, where, yeah. again, you say he doesn't read much, but I mean, he focused on just the wine library for years and years and years. It feels kind of to me, kind of like Mr. Beast, where his early videos were just hilariously bad, but he kept at it and kept improving and kept getting better and just stuck with it over time, but had his focus. I'm not the kind of guy that wants to focus like that, which I think is probably a detriment. I think the most successful people do really focus in, but I like to learn about lots of different things to help with wider marketing. So I'm maybe not the best person to talk about focus just because that's not something I strive for, but I can certainly point to people that do focus. I mean, again, the Gary V's, Mr. Beast, the Seth, all the guys we've talked about on this podcast, like even founders with David. I and mean, that's all this guy does is read biographies and write a pod, do a podcast about it. And it's fantastic because that's all he does. He focuses on that. So those that can focus can be great, but some people it kind of drives you nuts a little bit too. So I like to have the wider variety for myself, knowing that it's probably costing me some money somewhere because if you can really go deep and be the expert, there's a lot to be found there. But yeah, you got to yeah. decide you really want that and it's the right place to focus. Again, if you focus all on basketball, you would have been in big trouble. So I kind of hedge my bets a little bit too. I mean, you hear that if you read the biographies of these folks, they've all failed a lot of times because they went all in on something and that wasn't the right thing. And so they were toast. They went bankrupt because they had no nothing else to fault. But then they found yeah. something else and focused and went all in and it went bankrupt again and focused and went all in and finally hit it big that time. And I'm not willing to go through the pain of multiple bankruptcies to, to get where I want to get. 
but some people do and they're the ones that tend to really come out on top yeah i was there uh i was bankrupt two times you know yeah but uh, you have because... 600 episodes here so there you go yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah uh, the first time i was bankrupt in 2008 because i had a financial company and when the world crisis came mm -hmm. to the market i lost my company for two months everything wow. i invested yeah. a lot of money i earned a lot of money at the time yeah uh, it, it's hard to you know to tell about that but uh, i got great experience i got great experience sure. how to overcome uh no today yeah i'm good with that uh i i'm blessed because i have two hands two legs i can go ahead you know it doesn't matter what <laughs> happened you know you can go ahead you can be bankrupt but never stop just go ahead and yeah uh, and uh, i earned out of money and invested all of them the biggest problem i didn't have experience at that time to uh, save some money i decided to go all in you know and mm -hmm. that was a big mistake because uh, i i could expect everything except uh, the world crisis well, um, so maybe it wasn't a mistake again that's annie duke with the yeah. The decision versus the outcome it was probably maybe a good decision to go all in and the outcome just didn't work because you didn't see that coming but looking at the data you had when you started it might have been a good decision to just yeah so yeah. you, you had to take the right lessons from it like yeah, in our case <laughs> Ex expensive lesson <laughs> yeah for sure like in our case with agencies web agencies tend to go one of two ways they grow real fast and real lean and try to get you know huge and sell for millions or they stay smaller and lean like us and just try to have a good healthy lifestyle so that's we're the latter of that i mean we're 14 years in and we're a team of nine you know we've grown very slowly on purpose but we make healthy profit margins and we're all happy we make good money and do great but we're never going to sell for 20 million dollars and that's okay the other side is to go real lean hire as much as you can stay right on the edge of going out of business but then explode to be huge and make millions and you got to choose what you want ali and i with our business both have chosen very deliberately let's go slow and steady just make good profits and you know have a good time and not stress ourselves out but also we're not going to get the 20 million dollar payday either and we're okay with that because we're happy with where we are now but other people aren't they want to go for it and if you want to go for it man it's great you know yeah you, you remind me jack ma uh chinese billionaire and uh founder of of... billionaire all right good i like that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh, uh he's co-founder of alibaba uh, okay. in china and he told uh, when he grew he got more headache you know <laughs> if you grew more people uh, bigger team be more projects you have more headache you know mm -hmm. and i don't know how to envy elon musk he can live uh, <laughs> in some mm -hmm. places you know <laughs> to spend time all all time in the office uh, he's fat you know <laughs> for me it's better to go basketball you know? <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> to enjoy my life yeah yeah i think uh, elon musk is happy with something that he has that's okay you know he, uh, it's his choice you can find your choice it's not about wealth money it's more about uh, if you enjoy if you're happy with something that you have and you don't need to overestimate what you don't have no that's yeah. okay yeah. There's a lot of the, a lot of the episodes of founders when he's reading those biographies. They end with it, it is deathbed. He was not happy. He said, "I didn't know my kids. I didn't know my wife. I'm worth all these billions, but I I worked the whole time. I never got to spend it. Never never enjoyed it because I worked till the day I died. And you know that's not what most of us want. Even those guys ultimately didn't want it. But once you get on that train, it's hard to hard to get off. Yeah, nice, nice, Mickey. I want to ask about uh, AI. Uh, today it's hard to ignore this topic mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, you have your agency and I think uh all marketers uh implement most 
marketers. Okay, most marketers I can say for all marketers implement AI because yeah, once I spoke with a few uh, agencies and they replied to me they don't believe in AI, don't implement. That's okay if something works for them. No, I, but I think in the future we will have three companies. The first company will implement AI. The second company will uh, develop. AI and the third company will be obsolete who can leave the trade because mm -hmm. it's hard ignore AI today if something works for someone that's okay it's your choice but uh, I want to ask you how you implement AI or develop AI, AI. Uh, do you have some uh, key studies or I don't know something that AI will lead you in in a new direction nothing nothing too much yet we're playing with it a lot we're still a little mm -hmm. little, little hesitant I mean I think it is the future so we're certainly digging in Frankly, I kind of hate it. I wish it didn't exist. I mean, I like I like the old way of doing things, but I also know that it's not my decision. It's going forward, so we're, we're diving in with it. I think the best place for it right now is ideation. You know, coming with ideas for marketing plans, for blog post ideas, for social media help, that kind of thing is where it's just fantastic. Because as you know, a big problem with AI is hallucination. You know, if you're trying to get facts out of it, it might just make up the facts. You know, I asked Google Bard the other day, I said, how did the Atlanta Braves do yesterday? I said, they won five to four. Ronald Acuna had two home runs. And I looked, and they did win 5-4, to four, but Acuna was over three. It made up the stats. I said, well, let me look at the score, and let me see what it sounds like to talk about a baseball game, which was not factual at all. So we see a lot of that kind of stuff. So you have to be careful using it for writing because it'll, it'll just make up stuff you know, that sounds good. But for ideation, it is fantastic to come up with ideas and yeah. blog post topics and social media. Because, again, it'll give you, say, give me 50 blog post ideas about this, and you can look and say, well, that one's bad, that one's bad, that one's bad. But, hey, it, I still have 30 great ones in here, and I'm going to start using those. The other side I see a lot of is uh, with images too. I think I think image, you know, stock image sites are in big trouble. Like I can make whatever stock image I want in Midjourney just in a few sentences. Say I want a picture of a guy doing this, you know, playing basketball or you know, doing whatever I want. And it's an image I can just use versus trying to find and buy the right stock image. So that'll be an interesting one too. So yeah, I think there's bigger societal concerns coming up in terms of deep fakes and that kind of thing. But agency wise, I think yeah, just generating content is there. I think the last one for us too is we employ a good number of copywriters and I love them to death. I hope we keep them forever, but we won't because I think right now they still write better than AI, but that's not going to last long. And even then I'll still employ them while I can, but at some point our customers are going to say, why am I paying you to pay a person to write when, you know, chat GPT can do it for free and we'll have no choice, but to start using that to do our, our writing for us to a large degree, which again, I don't like at all, but it's the future and we're going to embrace whatever it needs to be. And that's how it's going to be. So I think short term, it's helping us a lot. I think it's going to help us get more done and we can be more profitable. But then I think market forces are going to kind of force us to scale back down a little bit because prices are going to fall on so much stuff uh, just by, by the nature of competition, which is a good thing. So I think the next couple of years are going to be fantastic for us. And then after that, we'll just have to do what we have to do and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I think ChatGPT can write much better than me. <laughs> no, I'm a terrible <laughs> writer. <laughs> and I like to write. I love writing, but ChatGPT can beat uh, my ass in one side, you know, but uh, ChatGPT can't collect data that I can, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I usually collect data, write a bad copy, and then I ask ChatGPT, please <laughs> edit, <There you> go. <laughs> edit it, nice. and it yeah. works well, you know. So, yeah, uh, we usually edit press releases on ChatGPT, many things on, on ChatGPT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Seth Godin was talking, he used it the other day. He sent out a survey and got like 5,000 responses, but they weren't just like checkboxes, they were written responses. He didn't know how to deal with all that. So, he threw all that in a ChatGPT and said, Summarize all these responses, and it gave him a great summary of these many people think this, and this is kind of the sentiment, and you know. So it's got some fantastic uses for different ways. And I think we're just seeing the tip of what you can use it for. I mean, it's easy to say, write blog posts for us and all that, and it'll do that. But 
there's some real interesting things coming that'll be fun to see in the, in the next few years. Yeah, by the way, for someone who can think that uh, they can use ChatGPT, I can tell you, you can, but you can't beat experts who know how to write. Because I found oh, yeah. uh, people who can write, they can estimate results from ChatGPT much better. You know, if you have experience oh, sure. with writing, if you know how to create great content, then you can become a great prompt expert. Yep. Now, for example, if you write a prompt like how to play guitar, how to lose weight, I'm not sure you can get quality content. Mm -hmm. But if you have experience, if you know how to write, if you know your topic, then you can uh, use ChatGPT uh, in the right way. I mean, like to get great results. So yeah, yeah. it's important. I see that in, in Midjourney. I don't, if you, I don't know if you played with Midjourney before, but Midjourney is an image generating one that uses Discord, which is basically like a big chat room. And so what's neat in there is you can see the other prompts people using say, that's an amazing image. What did they say? And it's usually these big, long paragraphs of text where they describe the image where I say, you know, picture of a man sitting reading a newspaper, you know, and the, the good prompts are, you know, 10 times that long where they talk about what focus link to use and yeah, again, writing good prompts is a skill for sure. And the people that are good at it get tremendous results out of these tools. And I'm yeah. not one of those people yet. So, <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Mickey, and I have my final question about the future. Um, can you forecast what kind of future will be in your vision? Because we have AI today, uh, augmented reality can come soon from Apple headset. So, mm -hmm. um, technologies are growing fast. So, any tips how to adapt? to the possible future and how you can see this future. <laughs> yeah, the future is going to be interesting. I, I use um, VR almost every day for workouts and that sort of thing. And certainly Apple's AR looks amazing. I'm excited about AR more just because I think it's be helpful to, once you can take it out in the world, you know, once it gets small enough like glasses, you can take it out and have it actually tell you what's going on. That'll be kind of cool. I think short term in terms of marketing, the best thing you can do is own your stuff. It's getting so easy just to give away your data, give away your stuff everywhere else. You know, if you use Squarespace or Wix for your website, they own your website. You can't move it anywhere else. You're stuck with them. And if they go out of business or they don't like you, you're screwed. You're, you're in big trouble. So we, you know, for that, we tell people to use WordPress. You know, WordPress, you can hold in your hand. You can download backups. It can be your site. And same with like marketing. You know, if you're on social media, I mean, fantastic. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. If you have lots of followers on Facebook, do it. But where's Facebook in five years or 10 years? They're probably not very relevant at some point. But if you have an email list, email is not going anywhere. And it's again, it's a list you can download and you can hold in your hand. You can't take your Facebook followers and download a list and have them like they're Facebooks. But an email list is yours. So if you focus on things like like WordPress and email, which are going to get old as time goes on, but they're the best way to own your own content and really control your future, not knowing what's going to happen everywhere else. You know, at least I've got this stuff that's that's mine that no one else can take from me. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, once I asked my son to uh, search on Google new information, and he did it, but on TikTok. <laughs> so he doesn't know about Google a lot. He knows it exists, but he uses TikTok to search for new stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. I love this experience. You are so kind to share this valuable bombs. I need to go to an emergency room to consume all this information. Tell <laughs> the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Sure. You can find, so my blog is mickmel.com, M-I-C-K-M-E-L.com. And I have a new podcast called stackingknowledge.com where I'm trying to just, it's forcing me to look at books again. So I interview folks on there to talk about books just again, to force me to go back to those books again, like we talked about at the beginning and, and consume that knowledge over and over. So mickmel.com or stackingknowledge.com.
Nice, nice. Guys, you can find links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. Guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Mickey on social media to read his blog because you can see a lot of valuable insights and subscribe to his podcast because if you want to become a better marketer, you need to do it. Again, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.